Thanks for joining us for the Abide Message Series. Let's prepare our hearts for what God has for us today, and please give a warm welcome to Pastor Bob Schwan. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks so much. Great to see you. Yesterday was, I mean, not only was it a beautiful day, but it was uh, an actually kind of a fun day. There was a good chunk of us that took uh, part in that trails day where we built a trail system and a dog park uh, around Bozeman Pond. We've got some pictures around there. This is what I realized uh, yesterday, and I, I probably should have known this before now, but people that are making things for dogs around here get really excited about their dogs. Have you noticed that? Dogs and Subarus, it's like if you, you need... That makes you uh, a part of Bozeman. But it was so fun for us just uh, alongside our community to love and to serve the town that we live in. As I was thinking about that specifically, uh, I just imagined that what I would want to be true of us as a Journey Church family in terms of how do we engage in our community, that it would be true of us that the person in our community that is the furthest from God, that maybe is anti-God or anti-Christianity, if Journey were for some reason to just suddenly leave our valley, even that person would be disappointed because they would say they were good for our community. We want to be those kind of people around our community. And that was our heart behind what we did in terms of engaging with everyone around the National Trails Day. But there was something else that started to strike me while we were there. Uh, I started to think a little bit about, you, you might have been around here and heard that the YMCA is going to um, hopefully shortly going to begin building their facility out there. And we've got kind of a master plan for what we're doing uh, here on our 40 acres. But one small piece of that master plan is a trail around the 40 acres that's here. And as I watched what went into making that trail, I just thought that is not that difficult. And so we started to think and I started to send some texts to some of the other leaders around here and we just think it might be a good idea for us to do what it takes to put that trail system uh, around our facility this summer. An opportunity for people to come and enjoy their dogs and their Subarus right here at the Commons. Well, we won't let them drive the Subarus around our trail, but you know what I mean. We want to create that space for people to come and enjoy. So if that might be something that you'd be interested in, just let us know. We're probably going to be putting a team together to try to get something like that happening in short order. This is our last week of this message series that we're calling Abide. And in this series, we've been unpacking and talking about this idea of Sabbath. And what does it mean for us to observe, observe the Sabbath? And we know from the things that Derry has shared up until this point, that this idea of Sabbath was into the very fabric of the creation of this world. We saw that God created in six days, but on the seventh day, he rested. And he didn't rest because he was tired. But there's something about this idea of this rhythm of work and rest that is part of the very fabric of God's created order. And we see that even when in the Ten Commandments, that this was one of the top ten of all the things that God could command us to do or not do. He said, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. And I was thinking about this a little bit. There are probably people in this room that maybe the, the do not steal commandment, like you wouldn't steal anything. Like you wouldn't even walk through a grocery store and grab a grape out of the produce because it would just drive you completely nuts because you just think that is so wrong for me to do that. But although maybe you think that is so wrong, you give very little thought to what does it even mean for me to keep the Sabbath and to make it holy. And so as a, as a team of people, when we were talking about this series and they were talking about preaching on the Sabbath, this thought went to the back of my mind and it was this, 
I don't think I'm very excited to preach on the Sabbath. And this is why. I'm just thinking, I don't know that I'd do a great job with honoring God with my Sabbath. I'm not exactly sure what it is that God wants as it relates to the Sabbath. And so, but also the thing that went through my mind is I remembered a preacher friend of mine that says, if you're gonna preach, make sure that you always preach at your weaknesses and then you'll never run out of material. And so I'm putting, putting that to the test today. And as we started to talk a little bit more about this idea of Sabbath and how it was rooted in God's creation and rooted in the Ten Commandments, rooted in the Torah, I started to think back to another event in my life that was truly remarkable. Carmen and I had an opportunity to go over to our neighbor's house. And my neighbor, you need to understand, he's an Orthodox Jewish rabbi. And he and his wife invited us into their home to celebrate their Sabbath meal. This ritual that they go through, this Sabbath meal ritual to prepare for how they are gonna honor God on the Sabbath. And it was absolutely fascinating to be a part of that. And as I was sharing that with our team, they said, would you be willing to just sit down with him for a few minutes and ask him some questions about the Jewish perspective on the Sabbath or what they call Shabbat? So I did that with my good friend, Reverend Amron Phelps. And so here's a video of our time together. Describe the importance of Shabbat and the reason behind it. So God created the world in six days and on the seventh day he rested. And in the Torah, he commanded us likewise to labor for six days and rest on the seventh, the Sabbath, uh, also known as Shabbat or Shabbos. Um, on that day, we're to cease from all of the creative labors of the weekday where we seek to in some way have mastery and control over the world and over God's creation. And on that day, we, we reconnect with God and we have a very physical reminder that, that He is the source of all of our needs. So, so one of the things that you can actually read in the Torah is when the manna fell from heaven, there was a double portion that fell on Friday. And so all the leaders of the Jewish people went to Moses and they said, what's up with this? How come there's a double portion today? And Moses responded, because tomorrow's the Sabbath and tomorrow you can't go out in the public domain and gather up the manna. So for that reason, you get a double portion on, on Friday. If you could explain to me a little bit, how do you simplify your life in order to observe Shabbat? During the week, we're engaged in work, in jobs where in some way we're trying to bring aspects of creation under our control. So on Shabbat, we're to cease from those kinds of labors. Um, the Torah delineates 39 categories of creative labor, known as malachot, uh, that we're to abstain from on Shabbat. Things like kindling, transferring, or extinguishing any kind of fire or flame, uh, cooking uh, of any type, including anything that would be heating a metal to the point where it glows. So practically, this means that on Shabbat, we don't drive, we don't turn on or off any electro electric or electronic devices. Um, if you think about everything that involves just that set of activities, this represents a huge simplification in order to observe Shabbat. And if we could talk a little bit about family, how does Shabbat affect family relationships? So there tends to be a large focus on family in a Jewish household in any case, but Shabbat really provides time together without those typical interrupt or interruptions or pressures of weekday activities. Uh, it provides opportunity for real quality time not only with our family members, but with friends and other members of the community. Yeah. Amram, for those of us maybe that don't observe Shabbat in the same way that the Jewish culture does, what would you say might be some things that we might be missing out on 
by not observing Shabbat. You know, what, what you're missing out on is, you know, that, that sort of mandated perspective to, to, to draw back from those creative labors and those mm-hmm. uh, weekday activities yeah. and, and be able to disconnect and recharge. So we, we believe that, that Shabbat is really a gift that God's given us. Um, the restrictions, if you want to call them that, are, are really a God-given opportunity for us to, to disconnect from those kinds of things and really focus on our relationship with God, relationship with our families, and relationship with uh, other members of the community. So there's, a, there's an aspect of the Sabbath then that is actually a, a trust in Hashem. Absolutely. I mentioned earlier that you, you read in the Torah about the manna that was provided every day for the children of Israel in the desert. And on the, on the sixth day, he provided twice the amount of manna and said, it's not coming tomorrow. And if you actually read it there, it says people actually went out and looked around and, and didn't find it. And, and Moses said, why are you bothering to do that? I mean, God told you he would provide you on the sixth day enough that you don't need to worry about it on the seventh day. Absolutely, it's a, it's a trust in God. I love spending that time with him, but I think one of my favorite times that you saw that on the video was when he went to the corner of the room and he went to this, that little closet thing and he pulled out his Torah and then he unfurled it on there and just the reverence that he had for the scriptures, um, specifically the Torah, was fantastic. Um, when I think about this idea of Sabbath and even as I left my time talking with my rabbi friend, what I began to think about was how when we think about Sabbath, we can easily get stuck in this question. How? How is it that God wants us to honor him with the Sabbath? We can start to think about the nuts and bolts of what is it that I'm gonna do? What is it necessarily that God wants from me? And probably my favorite thing that Amram said in that video was when he said that the Sabbath is a gift. This isn't something that God is trying to extract from us. This is a gift that he is giving to us, an opportunity for us to experience him. When Jesus was here on this earth and he was teaching, there was a time when the leaders of that time, the religious leaders, looked at what he was doing and not doing related to the Sabbath, and they began to say, you are outside the bounds of what honors God with the Sabbath. And here's what Jesus said to them. He says, then he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. See, we don't give God a gift by observing the Sabbath, but what God has done is that he gives us a gift by that opportunity to observe the Sabbath. It's an opportunity for us to get to know him and to experience him. It's almost like these echoes back to Eden when things were way more simple, when it was just God and Adam and Eve before the fall, and they were just with him. They just walked with him throughout life. There was labor and work, but there was that time that they just spent with God. So here's what I want us to grab a hold of today. I don't want us to get mired down into the, how do we do this? What is it that God wants? What are the nuts and bolts of Sabbath? Because here's what I think is the most important thing. If we're gonna understand Sabbath, it's not about how, but we've gotta move the W and we've gotta think about the who. 
The Sabbath is about God. The Sabbath is about us knowing him and experiencing him and allowing him access to our life. If we're not motivated by the who of the Sabbath, if we're not motivated by him and wanting to be with him, the how is just gonna become a burden in our life. It's got to be about the who. And I wanna put this conversation about the Sabbath in the context of a larger conversation we're having around our church around discipleship. And what does it mean for us to become a disciple-making church? Meaning that we are gonna be disciples and make disciples. And you know where I'm going with this if you've been around here. When we talk about what it means to be and make disciples, it means that we're gonna be a disciple of Jesus. We're gonna live the kind of life that Jesus lived. We're gonna do the kind of things that he did and we're gonna be the kind of person that he was. And when we look at the relational environment of the life of Jesus, we see that there was a primary relationship of up, an up relationship with the father. We see him engaging with the father, hearing and responding to the voice of the father in his life. There's an up relationship. But if we're gonna follow the life of Jesus, we've gotta think about an in relationship. And when we talk about in, we're talking about the family of God, this extended family, the spiritual family that Jesus built, that he did life together. He built them into disciples. But it wasn't just about building a spiritual family. It was about taking this spiritual family out. Taking the spiritual family out into the broken world and taking the kingdom of God into the places where the kingdom of God at this point doesn't exist, where the rule and the reign of God isn't right now. That's what Jesus was about. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. And so when we think about this picture of the life of Jesus, and if this is you right here, when we think about discipleship, what this means is that we're gonna grow In our up relationships, we're gonna grow in our in relationship and we're gonna grow in our out relationships in order to be the kind of person that Jesus was. Now this conversation that we're having about Sabbath, this conversation that we're having in this Abide series, I just wanna say that it's primarily about this. Not exclusively, but it's primarily about up. How do we create time and space and opportunity in our life to be able to connect with God and be able to hear from him? Because here's what we're gonna learn today, that there's a transformation that Jesus wants to take place in your life. There's an organic growth that he wants to take place in your life. A transformation from the inside out as you actually become more like him. And we're gonna look at John chapter 15 today because in this text of scripture, Jesus gives us a picture, a metaphor to help us understand what is it gonna take on our part? What is it gonna take for us to do in order to become more like Jesus. And so I wanna set this up by talking a little bit about the context of the book of John that leads up to this in John chapter 15. If you look at the book of John, there are eight different statements that Jesus makes in this book that's called the famous I am statements. Now that was the name of God that was given to Moses where he's, when, he, when, when he was with Moses at the burning bush, he said, tell them that I am sent you. So there's these markers in the life of Jesus where he uses these I am statements to try to help people understand who he was. And you'll probably recognize some of these. I am the good shepherd. I am the light of the world. 
I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way and the truth and the life. I am the bread of life. And the last of the eight that we get to in John 15 is this statement where Jesus says, I am the true vine. I am the true vine. And it's from this passage in John chapter 15 that we actually got the name for this series. It's called Abide. You're not gonna hear that word in this, but if you grew up in reading the King James Version, that is the word that this text uses. In many of the newer translations, it uses the word remain. But here's the idea of this word. It means abide, like an abode to dwell or to remain within the sphere of influence, to abide with me, to remain, to dwell with me. If I were to simplify it down to just a handful of words, I would say the big idea is God is just saying, be with me. Just simply be with me. That's what it means to remain or abide. And here's the text starting in John 15. In verse one, it says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. And here's where he starts in. He says, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. And again, he says that I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Absolutely nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. You see the same rhythm that we talked about from the book of Genesis this idea of work and rest that we see that God has written into the universe. We see Jesus talking about that same kind of rhythm here in John 15. There's this rhythm of bearing fruit, bearing kingdom fruit, life fruit, but there's also on the other side, there is abiding. There is spending time, resting, abiding with the Father. But in this text, Jesus talks about something that, he, that God wants to do in the context of abiding. And that's this little word called prune. God wants to prune. What is, what is pruning? When we talk about pruning, what exactly is it that Jesus is talking about here? Now, on an agricultural sense, pruning is just simply this. It's the intentional and strategic cutting back of a plant. It's just that simple. But doesn't that sound cruel? Doesn't that cruel? I mean, especially if you're a plant lover out there. Cutting off a limb of a perfectly good plant. But what is it that the gardener wants to be true? He wants the tree, he wants the plant, he wants the vine to be more fruitful. That is his heart in pruning. 
As I was thinking about this, I was thinking back to the first house we built when we moved to Bozeman. We built a house out in Belgrade and we had to put the yard in and once we got through all the rocks, if you're out in Belgrade, you know what I'm talking about when I talk about the rocks. We got some topsoil put down and we just had these visions for this beautiful yard with these great, big, beautiful trees. And so we went down to Cashman's and we see these big, beautiful trees for sale there. And you go over and you look at those trees and you look at the price tag for about a nanosecond and you just think, that is expensive. You know, we're not even gonna be able to pay our mortgage if we try to put these trees in our house. But this was how I was fortunate. I had a landscaper that worked for Cashman's that was my neighbor. And he showed me there's another kind of tree that you can buy called a bare root tree. And if you've planted trees, you know what I'm talking about. It's, as the name would say, it just has bare root. But these aren't really trees. They're just little sticks. You just buy them, they're about, oftentimes about this tall. And it's just this measly little stick. And sometimes they just have these tiny little branches that come off of them. And you're just thinking, man, that's not even a tree and they're still kind of expensive. Well, my neighbor, we've got some of these bare root trees and we started to plant them. And I'm just like thinking, okay, this makes sense. I have no money, but I have time. So we've got time to let these trees grow. So we plant this tree, get it nice and straight. And we're sitting there and he's got a pair of these. And he actually has a holster for these. When you're a landscaper, you have these in a holster. You know, he's like carried it like a six gun. It was awesome. But he pulls this out right after we planted it. And he went zip, 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 zip. And he cut every branch off of my tree. And I just went, ah. And he looked at me and I'm just gasping. You know, I'm just like, I mean, it was a cheap little tree, but it was all I got and you cut every little branch off of it. But instantly he said, if you're gonna have trees, you've got to learn how to prune. And so I went to school that day on what it is and why it is that gardeners prune. This is what he said is true. He said, when you cut off those limbs, this is what it tells the tree to do. You cut off those limbs and suddenly the roots start to go deeper into the soil because they know they want to grow. So they need to get deeper into the source of life. So when you prune, it causes our roots to go deeper. And he said, you've always got to watch your tree because there are going to be diseased and broken branches that you always want to have cut off. And there's going to be branches that aren't growing in the right direction. You've got to always be willing to cut those off. And then he began to explain to me, he said, like, look at this tree. He said, look at that little branch that I cut off right there. Imagine 20 years from now when that's the biggest branch on the tree, what is it going to be like for you to mow your lawn? How are you going to get around that limb? I'm thinking, well, you know, that kind of makes sense. You know, so he said, you've got to get the canopy up on this tree so it grows out like this. And this is what I began to understand then is he had a picture for this tree in, its, in his mind. He saw what it was going to look like when it was fully grown. And he knew for this tree to get to that place, he was going to have to prune it along the way. He was going to have to shape it. Do you see the connection here? Do you see why Jesus is using this as a metaphor for what it means for us to become fruitful in our relationship with him? He's saying you've got to be able to cut the dead things off in your life. Cut the things that are sapping your strength. And when you cut those things off, and even when you cut off good branches, what it's going to cause us to do, because the gardener is good, it's going to cause us our roots to go deeper. Because the source of life is not in the branch, it's in the vine and the roots. We need our roots to go deeper. 
And we've got to be willing to cut off some of those less fruitful branches in our life and just believe, believe in our mind's eye that God has a picture for our life that's better than any picture that we could imagine for our life. But to get to that picture, it's gonna take some cutting. It's gonna take some pruning. We're gonna have to let go of some things in our life. And we get to that place where we start to trust the Father. And this is why abiding, when we talk about this, abiding is so important for us to think about. Because this quietness, this abiding, this Sabbath, this opportunity to be with God, it's in that quietness that we actually learn to hear the Father's voice. That we learn to hear what it is that he's saying to us. And we start to understand what are the things in our life that need to be removed? What are the things that need to be cut away if we're gonna become more fruitful? It's in that quiet time of abiding that God does his best work, does his best pruning. And we've always got to trust. The reason, he says it multiple times, the reason that I prune is because I want you to be fruitful. I want you to bear more and more fruit. I want to enable you to bear bigger and greater fruit than you currently have the capacity to bear. That's the reason that we've, well, here's the question that I have. Like, what is this fruit that Jesus is talking about? What is the fruit that he wants us to bear? Because when we look at this text, he makes it really clear that if you're a disciple of Jesus, you're going to bear fruit. The litmus test for us that we even belong to Jesus is that we start to see increasing amounts of fruit in our life. Well, what's the fruit that Jesus wants us to bear? Let me, actually, I gotta read a couple scriptures just talking about being a disciple in fruit. John 15, verse eight, I just read this. It says, this is to my father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Fruit equals disciple. And then verse 16, he goes on and says something very similar. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and what? Bear fruit. What kind of fruit? Fruit that will last for all of eternity. So when we think about what does it mean for us to be a disciple-making church, to be and make disciples, we've got to think about what is the kind of fruit that God wants to be coming out of our life. And when we think about this growing process as we become more like Jesus, there's a couple places where we're going to see fruit. One is in our character, meaning that we are over time we are gonna become more like Jesus. We're gonna be the kind of person that Jesus was. As he works in and through us, we'll start to bear those kinds of fruit. But there's also a ministry. Meaning that we are gonna do the kinds of things that Jesus did. There's a character piece and there's a ministry piece. And when we talk about the character piece, I think one of the best places in scriptures that explain the kind of character things that are gonna come out of our life as we become connected to the vine, it's this, the fruit of the spirit from Galatians chapter five. This is how Paul describes what's gonna happen when the life of the spirit is flowing through your life. It says there's gonna, in verse 22, it says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, 
and self-control. As we abide in the vine, as we remain in the vine, these are the things that are gonna become true of our life. But it's not just that. It's not just the character side of things. There's a ministry side of things. We're gonna start to do the kinds of things that Jesus did. Well, what did Jesus do? His life was about making disciples. And that's why he sent us to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you to do. We bear fruit by making disciples. But what else was it that Jesus did while he was here on earth? Jesus healed people. Jesus healed people physically. He saw people healed emotionally, spiritually. Jesus, part of the kingdom fruit that he was about was proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. Everywhere that he went, it said that he proclaimed the good news. And as Jesus and his spirit starts to work in our life and we're being transformed by that good news, what's gonna happen to us is the fruit of our life is that we're gonna want to tell others about the good news of the kingdom, about who Jesus is and what it is that he's done for us. We see that Jesus, everywhere that he went, he pushed back the kingdom of darkness. Places where Satan and his minions had taken ground that didn't belong to them. Jesus was about pushing that back. And so when we think about what is it gonna look like for us to bear ministry, kingdom fruit, we're gonna proclaim the gospel. We're gonna bring healing and hope to people. We're gonna push back the kingdom of darkness and we're gonna build disciples. We're gonna be building into the lives of people. But Jesus made it really clear. How is this gonna happen? How are you gonna bear this fruit? He said, it's simply this. You've got to grab a hold of the vine. You grab a hold of the vine and that's him. It says, he is the true vine. And what he says is true is that his life will begin to move in our life and through our life. And because of what he's doing in us, there'll be fruit that will be produced in our life. Friends, this isn't fruit that we are producing. This is his fruit. We've got to understand that. We are just a conduit of the things that God wants to do in the world. But here's the thing, the only way that those things are gonna happen in our lives and through our lives is if we grab a hold of the vine. We've got to grab a hold of the vine. See, here, here's what can happen to us. We can hear this talk about fruitfulness and love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Well, I, I want that fruit in my life. Well, Jesus would say, grab the vine, but what we can do is just say, I'm just gonna try really hard to be more loving. I'm gonna try to be more joyful. I'm gonna try to be more self-controlled. And then it's no longer us abiding and this being fruit that Jesus is doing in and through us. It's us striving and we're trying to do it on our own. And it's not the way that God intended for it to be. Fruit is produced simply when we are connected to the vine. And then who produces the fruit? He does. It's not the fruit of self-effort. It's the fruit of the spirit. We've got to grab a hold of the vine. Otherwise, it's just like we're striving. And here's what happens. Now this branch, I just cut it off, but actually it looks pretty good right now, doesn't it? It looks very good, very healthy, but you know exactly what's gonna happen because this is cut off from the vine now. Maybe for an hour, it's gonna look fine. But if you came back here tomorrow and you looked at this stage and you saw this 
branch sitting there, you know what's gonna happen. It's gonna start to become crinkled up. It's gonna start to dry out. It's not gonna look the way that it was intended to look because it's disconnected from the vine. Friends, we don't look the way that we're supposed to look in our spiritual life when we're disconnected from the vine. But the problem is, is that we don't shrivel up. We can actually keep on striving, keep on trying to do things in our own power. And you know where we end up? We end up in that place where we just say, you know, I'm just too stressed out, I'm burned out. I just can't do this Christian thing anymore. Whenever you say that, whenever you think that, whenever you feel that, the first thing that's got to come to your mind is you've got to say, am I connected to the vine? Because I think when we're connected to the vine, I don't think we get stressed out. I don't think we get burned out. I think we can get tired, but I think what happens is that we are trying to produce fruit in our own effort. We've got to ask ourselves, do I need to grab a hold of the vine? Do I need to get my life closer to the source of life? I think that's what Jesus is asking us to do. Don't be disconnected from him. Because here's the deal. I've been around this tree for about a day and a half now. And you know what? I have not heard one time from this tree. I have not heard one time any grunting or groaning trying to produce fruit. You know, and it's got little fruit on it. These little crab apples, they're gonna be bigger little crab apples in not too long, assuming that somebody waters this after today. But it doesn't grunt and groan. It just produces fruit because it's connected to the source of life. We don't grunt and groan to produce fruit. We just allow God to produce his fruit through us. The second thing that I wanna say about this principle of abiding is this. Abiding is relational. It is not mechanical. It's about a relationship with God, not a mechanical doing of things. Now, I want you to just listen. Just listen to these last eight verses of this text of scripture. And would you just listen with me for the kind of relational tones and the relational language that Jesus uses when he's talking about abiding. Starting in verse nine, it says, as the father has loved me, so I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have kept my father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer, no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. I've called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the father will give you. This is my command, love each other. When I say that abiding is not mechanical, it's relational, what I'm saying is abiding is not so much about the how. There might be some how pieces to that, some things that we need to learn, but abiding, it's about the who. We've gotta be motivated by who it is that we're gonna be with as we abide. Because we're not gonna be able to stay motivated long-term by just the how, by just doing things. We've always gotta start and be motivated by the who. 
I was thinking about a conversation I had with a student years ago. I was speaking at a conference with a bunch of fraternity and sorority students. And he grabbed me after one of the messages and he said, I've got to talk with you. So we went out into the lobby of the hotel and he began to ask me some questions about Christ. And then he got really serious and he said, I really want to give my life to Christ, but I've got one question for you. I'm just thinking, oh great, I hope I can answer this question. What is it going to be? So he kind of leaned in and I kind of leaned in. He said, if I give my life to Christ, do I need to stop smoking weed? So I just sat there. And we, he and I have talked about this conversation years later. And what he tells me that I did is that I just kind of burst out laughing when he said it. I thought it was going to be something huge. But you know, what do you think I said to him? You think I said, okay, here's the 10 reasons why I think you should stop smoking weed if you're gonna follow Jesus. And beyond that, here's another 100 things that you can do. And, and here's probably another couple hundred things that you could stop doing probably. My answer to him was, follow him. Jesse, just follow him. What I was trying to say was just grab a hold of the vine. Just be with him, listen to him. He's gonna prune your life. He's gonna be responsible for that. It's not about the how, it's about the who. Jesse, you've got to grab a hold of him. Now, when I say that, I don't want, I don't want anyone to leave here and say, the obedience doesn't matter. The Bob just said anybody can smoke weed if they follow Jesus. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> obedience matters. It matters greatly. But what matters more is that our obedience flows out of a deep, personal, intimate relationship with the who. Because without the who, the how We're never gonna be able to stay motivated long-term. It's always, friends, always got to be about the who. It's relational, not mechanical. And we've got to learn to trust the gardener. We've got to learn to trust the things that he wants to do in our life to prune us. As I was writing this message, one thing I couldn't stop thinking about was the last three or four years of my wife and I's life. And if she were standing up here with me, we would both say, hands down, this has been the most difficult season of our life, bar none. It's not even close to any other season of our life, the challenges that we've walked through. I just think there's the physical challenges, and I've, I've shared this before, that my wife is in the process of going deaf, and just the, the challenges relationally, and how do we live life in this new reality if God doesn't choose to heal her has been challenging for us. I've got three teenagers in my house. If you have teenagers, you know what I mean? And they are awesome kids, but they are three teenagers. It is a challenge to try to be a good dad. You can just feel like you're failing every day. And if you've been around Journey, you know that we have walked through some incredibly difficult challenges in this season. I think about the leadership challenges that have been in my life and just the failures there that have led to relational challenges, broken relationships because of things that I did wrong, things that I wish I could go back and do differently, but I can't. And I just think about this season. It's been so challenging. But what I can tell you, what my wife and I can tell you is this is what our life has been. It's been this, on our knees, grabbing a hold of the vine 
It doesn't even feel like we're, we're this picture of grabbing the vine and we're bearing fruit. It just feels like we're not even bearing fruit. We're just trying to hold on. But in the midst of this season, as we've grabbed a hold of the vine, I can tell you, I can look you straight in the eye and tell you straight that God has showed up. He has showed up in our lives in the midst of this in ways that I could never have even imagined. The things that he's pruned out of our lives, the perspective that he's given us in the midst of this. We've gotten to the place where we've just been pruned down to where it's more clear to us what really matters in life, what really matters in our marriage, what really matters as parents, what really matters in church. And friends, what I'm seeing is that's getting narrower and narrower and narrower. And as hard as this has been, and we don't even know if we're out of this season yet, quite honestly, but what we believe is that we're gonna look back at this season of three or four years and we're gonna say, this is a defining time in our life. An absolute defining time because of what God is doing in our lives. And if we were to continue to live God willing, we believe that the most fruitful years of our life are ahead of us because what God is doing in and through us right now as he prunes our life. Pruning, friends, it's a fight. It's a fight to allow God to prune your life. And I'm not talking about a pillow fight. But you, friends, I've got to tell you, I plead with you, you can trust him. You can trust him with any area of your life, anything that he wants to do in your life. Just say yes. He can be trusted. He is the source of life. There's no other. If we're grabbing a hold of anything else, we're gonna be left holding the bag you can trust the gardener. I'm gonna ask you just to put your things aside and I want you to just lay your life, just even for a few moments right now, wide open in front of the gardener and just ask him, is there anything, God, that you would want to prune out of my life? Is there anything that you know that I need to get rid of, to be more fruitful for you? And there might be some here today that as you've listened to this and even thought through this metaphor that Jesus gave of this vine and the branches, there might be something stirring in your heart where you're just wondering, I, I'm not even sure that I'm connected to the vine. I'm not sure that I've got his life in me. Friends, what I know is that he wants to give you that life. If that would be something that in your heart you want to do, I want to give you an opportunity to move toward him. And you can do that in this way by praying something simple like this. Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I want to know you personally. Jesus, more than anything else, I want to be connected to you, the vine, the true vine. I want the life that you offer. Jesus, I know that I've sinned against you. I've been trying to do this on my own. I've been separated from you. I've been cut off 
from a relationship with you. But Jesus, I'm thankful that you died for me. Jesus, I'm thankful that you were willing to be cut off for me, to pay that penalty of separation that I deserve for my sin. You paid it for me so that I wouldn't have to. Jesus, I turn to you today and I repent and I ask you to be my king, my Lord and my savior. Jesus, would you take control of my life and would you make me anything that you want me to be? Jesus, we acknowledge that you are the true vine. You're the only source of life. Thank you that you've made yourself available to us. We come to you and we lay our life before you and we are gonna grab the vine with everything in us to bear fruit for your glory and for your name. Jesus, we love you and it's in your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope this time has allowed you to dig out more of who God has made you to be. If you made some kind of spiritual decision today and are interested in what's next, we'd love to connect with you. For more information or to get in touch, please visit journeyweb.net. If you're interested in supporting our ministry, you can give online at journeyweb.net slash give. Thanks.